If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the studio, I've got my gorgeous husband, Ash Grunewald, in his studio. Hi, how are you going? <laughs> um, yeah, so we wanted to talk today a little bit about staying on track. We've had quite a few messages, which has been amazing. We've been getting messages, a lot of messages from people saying that they've been listening to the podcast, didn't even realise they had much of a problem with alcohol and wanted to try giving it a go, giving it up. And it's been so amazing for us just to see that that feedback from people. It's very reaffirming and we're doing little happy dances every time we read them out at the breakfast table. Mm, yeah, it's really amazing. I can't say enough how cool it is. So thank you so much, people, who have been messaging in. Danny's been like running down and reading them out. and Yeah, it's just, it's really cool because, you know, this um, is something that's very close to our hearts and, you know, to feel like you actually are helping people with something that is probably... One of the biggest problems we have in this lucky society that we live in, it's the problem that we sort of, in a way, make for ourselves. A lot of people are suffering with it. So to feel like we can um, we can help a little bit is amazing and good on you, Danny, for starting this up. That's what a lot of people are saying. Yeah. And yeah, they're stoked. <laughs> it's so ingrained in our society that we think it's a norm, even though deep down maybe we're feeling not quite right with it. Your alcohol is affecting your work or your health or your marriage or whatever it, it might be affecting. But how it's so ingrained in, in society, in every, it's expected, it's so expected of us to celebrate with alcohol, to celebrate an occasion with alcohol, to go to a sporting event, there's alcohol. It's just everywhere. It's everywhere we go. It's strange you go to a restaurant if you don't look at the wine menu. So just bringing this, this conversation about um, and to say that, no, it's okay to go against the norm. It's quite rebellious now, isn't it, to become sober, particularly too if you're not an alcoholic, if you don't identify as an alcoholic, just a big drinker, probably like what we were. Um, yeah, it's a little rebellious to go, actually, no, fuck that. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. It's, it's affecting me or it's not sitting right with me. Mm. I was just thinking the opposite thing when you were. Oh, really? <laughs> when you're talking, then yeah, I was just thinking about, especially we when we lived in Bali. Um, I used to always drink at the airport and drink everywhere, and I was shocked. You know, like when you uh, drive a particular kind of car, you see those cars on the road. I kind of thought everybody was drinking heaps, like I was, and I thought that was normal, and people who weren't doing that were just nerds. But. <laughs> um, when I stopped drinking, I was actually shocked how many people weren't drinking. Yeah, <laughs> I know yeah. It's bizarre to say, but all the different occasions that I did drink at, obviously at gigs, obviously at home, but then, you know, in the airport lounge and um, in restaurants and in, yeah, so for me, I don't know if other people are feeling that out there, but it was funny for me when I, you get a sense of a perspective once you've quit for a little while. And mm. that was just one of the funny things that really um, it, uh, made me think, oh, my God. Because mm. <laughs> I just realized how 
normal some of my drinking wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I thought it was normal. I thought it was rad. It's also who you're surrounding yourself with. So at that time you mm. might have been more likely to have road crew people mm. and people like that that were big drinkers. Mm. Or they were probably drinking to try and keep up with you. Yeah, totally. And socially obviously would gravitate towards people that drank mm. a lot. And mm. that's I was I was really surprised recently I went out to uh, dinner for a friend's birthday mm. and remember I came home and told you Ash straight away I was like mm. it was so bizarre like this group of women the fantastic amazing women that we went out for for dinner with that when I got there I noticed I just naturally kind of scan and see who's drinking who's not and I noticed that most of them I think all of them had a glass of wine and they finished their wine and um, I ordered a soda water and then a little bit later they ordered a carafe of wine and they drank that and then I noticed that that was the end of it. Mm. No one mentioned it. No one said, oh, we should get some more. Mm. Where in my friendship group, that's unheard of. Or even if you were there with them and you were still drinking, the night wouldn't have gone like that because you would have insured. No way. I would have had them all drink. I would have had – I would have got someone in that group to get on it with me and drink and, you know, go a lot harder and, Mm. you know – uh, it would have ended up into a, an event <laughs> for yeah. sure. So I found that really fascinating. I thought, for one, was it me that was facilitating a lot of this mm. this binge drinking mm. amongst my friends? Mm, but, um, totally. That it is really normal too for people to not do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you're if right. that's not normal for you, that's probably that's when you probably are a bit of a binge drinker. I mean, the other thing I'm, that reminds me of is just when um, I remember going around to a friend's place and, when I was drinking and really trying to control myself and just have a glass of wine mm. and then maybe another one. I was just noticing another friend who is a musician who just, you know, ha- had one glass of wine, maybe two, but maybe not. And then that was just it. And then I had to – it was such an effort for me to just – chill out and just not keep drinking Mm. and you know like drinking sort of always really turned into a a little bit of a campaign a little bit of a session Mm. and um i'm really enjoying it's so people who think they might have a problem with drinking don't realize when they when they decide to stop drinking that what you're doing is you're leaving a big head fuck behind you know Mm. if you've been trying to moderate it's such an effort. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a problem. If it was mm. easy to moderate, then you don't need to quit drinking. Mm. Um, and when you finally say, right, that's it, for a given length of time, I'm not going to um, drink, suddenly there's no more decisions to be made. And mm. I just feel like that takes so much mental strain when you have to be like, okay, on oh, who's driving and, you know, mm. and oh, no, you know, and then you push it, push it, push it, you know, like. It's just really good when you can forget about that. It leaves so much more computational space. You know, like when there's too many things open on your computer, your computer Mm. slows down. Mm. And like I found that when we quit, I had a lot more RAM or whatever it is to deal with the things I wanted to deal with. Computational space. Mm. It's very sexy when you use those big words. (laughs) (laughs) And you do Compute- do that oh, there's nothing more sexy than a computer metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the same too. If, if you're having – if it's a struggle for you to moderate at any given time, I think that's a really good sign too to just just get rid of it. Mm. Get rid of it for an, a, an amount of time mm. and then you don't have to have that mental – battle all the time should we prescribe should we be prescriptive in our length of time because we do have a figure in mind we should admit it yeah yeah i know but that scares people i know that some look our with our method i would say 12 months Mm. sometimes that can seem scary for people so sometimes sell sometimes yeah but i really think it takes that long to, and this will cover. We've got a webinar coming up, which is really exciting. The two of us will be hosting a webinar on the seventh of September and the shit. I can't remember off the top of my head. The seventh and the tenth, I think. They're on the website. It's definitely the something. On or they're on the Instagram link tree. But anyway, we'll be delving into this kind of stuff 
and this this methodology. And we've sort of got we've narrowed it down with some um, therapists and other people and through our own experiences, these sort of three steps or layers we call them or whatever you want to call it. But the first step is is setting setting some the time the date and the time, mm. the time frame that mm. you want to set as your goal. Mm. With we've spoken when we decided it was my friend Lisa called me and said that's it, let's take 12 months off. Or she was taking 12 months off and I just said, I'm in, you know, because also it was great socially to have your best friend say who she was one of my drinking partners for sure. When she said she's going to take 12 months off, it was like I just, this weight was lifted for me too. It was like socially, yes, I don't have, you know. Because she was a trigger person for you maybe. Somebody you drank, drank with. Yeah, she was someone I drank with and she's one of my closest friends. So if she mm. wasn't drinking, you beauty, I don't have to do it either. Because mm. a lot of my drinking was, you know, socially to, I don't know, maybe looking back to fit in or, or this belief system, the belief, this self-image I had of myself, very deeply ingrained with my social groups because that's how I grew up from, from Castle Maine was just like with all my friends, that's what we did. That's we drank and that's, that was me. Mm. So if I could break away from that with another friend, awesome. Because I was so wanting to quit for so long, but I just couldn't do it or, or I'd try for a bit and then someone, you know, I'd go for a few weeks or a couple of months even. I think I maybe went for a month, month, maybe two, maybe. But it was always like I felt this pressure if someone would come around or if – because that, that's Danny. Danny's the big drinker. Danny's the one that brings the nice wine and, you know – so part of the the quitting and this part of quitting and quitting successfully is changing your self-image or changing your belief about yourself, how you view yourself. So there is there is layers that you need to go through in order to change that programming of yourself. You can with Ash and I we're studying NLP, neurolinguistic programming at the moment. So fascinating. But we were reading the other day that you can try and change whatever your situation is, whether it's drinking, overeating, um, all sorts of things, any, anything that requires willpower to just change your environment or to change trying just, yeah, through willpower to change this habit. It's too hard. Just it's, it's doesn't quite work with changing, yeah, changing environment or using sheer willpower. But the quickest way to doing it is reprogramming how you view yourself and it's not easy to to reprogram yourself your what how you view yourself so to me I always saw myself or I thought my friends saw me and my you know everyone around me was Danny the the drinker Danny the the fun times person um and it's it is a lot of work it's a lot of work to to retrain your brain into how you view yourself but it's possible. It's completely possible. And I think it's a month by month thing. So that's what we go through in the webinar. But how did you view yourself? For me, I don't know if I started um, drinking heavily out of it being to do with my self-concept as such or mm. my belief about myself as such. I think it was habit mm. because I, you know, live like we said in the other podcast, you know, playing music on the road. Although I must say, you know, I guess the self-concept, my the image of being a blues player and stuff, you don't think of drinking soda water or whatever. But really, being part of that roots generation, I did start, when I started playing on the road, I did try and moderate drinking. Um, and I did have green tea on my rider as well as Cooper's Green. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just out of, ha- I think for me, it was out of, habit and more and more you know just like um uh, an all or nothing person but it still took me a long time to get as bad as I got Mm. um and it was that habit of as I said we've covered it elsewhere of like binging at home Mm. um with parties and stuff and then Mm. binging on the road Mm. um it's a sneaky sneaky bugger yeah so it is but to to relate to that belief thing because that did blow my mind Mm. when we read that in the nlp stuff one thing we realized is that there's a spiritual component at some point that we went through after you've quit for a little while that it sort of seems inevitable and even from what we've heard about aa they have a spiritual component in in it as well and we were like wondering 
why has it got that? You know, it seems true that there is, you have to sort of go a bit spiritual when you quit. It makes it a lot easier. Then when we were looking at the NLP stuff, we realized why that is. Well, in their frameworks that they talk about that you can try and change a behavior on one level. I won't change anything about me. I'll just quit drinking. And you can do it that way, but it seems a little harder. But if you totally change your concept of who you are and you really see yourself as a non-drinker, then that makes it a whole lot easier. And then even further still, which I don't know, we ended up going there with this, but for some people they go off and they find the Lord or they uh, (laughs) – That makes me cringe. Yeah, but in AA they have a spiritual thing. But um, yeah. if you go off in a more spiritual direction, it's even even easier. Not saying that people will or won't want to do that. And we didn't go off totally woo-woo. But Yeah, and spirituality, sorry to cut you off, but spirituality for me is not getting a tambourine and going to church on a Sunday. <laughs> Spirit, me neither. That makes me... Ugh. But uh, for me, spiritual... Like it naturally occurred for us. I think living in Bali might have had something to do with that. Mm. Where everyone's meditating and all the locals, like everyone's very in touch with a higher being, they're, they're, they're gods. But I think at the time, before this journey had even started, I'd started to tap into Wayne Dyer and a few of, you know, those sort of spiritual teachers. On that journey to keep me occupied, I was constantly listening to Wayne, to Eckhart, to all these people in podcasts or audiobooks, I was reading this stuff. And I honestly think to keep on track, firstly, there's got to be a gratitude practice daily, especially mm-hmm. at the start. And this is what we'd also cover in, in the webinar, um, the IMs, which we'll come back to and talk in a minute. And your musts, so the things that you must do each day, you have to be vigilant and filling the void with something else. So you get busy with improving yourself. And you start to naturally become more confident, more sure of yourself, especially with the I am's and the musts, because that is a change in image of yourself. It's how you, you know, you're no longer like I am this fucking loser who drinks too much. You are now, you know, whatever you are after the words I am. Yeah. Um, I think the I am's thing is really important. And what we're talking about there is having a daily practice where, Actually, you covered a lot of things there. Yeah, so, no, sorry. <laughs> I've got a lot to say. <laughs> well, we're going to go back over a lot. This is why we're doing a webinar. Yeah, we're going to go back over a lot of those things. But, I mean, just to say, just to give a few more specifics about how we were rolling, because we both did our different versions of this in that first year that we quit alcohol. We were basically journaling every day. And... Um, So I would do, I'll just quickly mention the things that I would do every day and then we'll go back over some of those things. But Can I just say that I was surprised that you did that because you're not generally, I'm the woo-woo person, you're not so woo-woo. So that was interesting. Mm. Well, I learned a lot about manifesting and I should say that um, I, in that year, I was also writing a book and um, I've covered, covered a few things like like uh, gratitude in that book, but I was learning from, especially Steph Gilmore. I like the book was um, is called Surf by Day, Jam by Night, and I went and um, asked a lot of really famous and very successful surfers like Kelly Slater and Steph Gilmore, and friends like um, Dave Rastovich and um, Jack Johnson, and asked a lot of those people about their success. In a way, really, that's what I was trying to trying to do because of the stage of life that we were in. I was originally trying to write a book just about surfing and music and a fun in the sun kind of thing when we were party animals. But by the time I started writing it, I we had quit drinking, which was a pure coincidence. But it was interesting from those hyper successful um, people. And that's anyone listening to this, I'm sure that's where you would love to be in your life, um, successful and happy. Um they seem to all have an immense amount of gratitude mm. and an immense amount of optimism. Wayne Dyer says he's never met a success. One of his famous quotes was, "I've never met a successful person that wasn't grateful for everything that they had." Mm. It's an essential. Or everything they have absolutely, and that was one of the conclusions of the book when I was um, saying what 
what I've learned is, especially as you get into midlife, no matter what your level of success is, you will probably almost certainly ruin it for yourself if it isn't accompanied by gratitude. Mm, So feeling grateful too for waking up sober. Mm. I mean, that's a really simple one, but just Mm. to wake up without a hangover, grateful for being able to get out and see this sunrise. Every morning I get up and I walk on the beach at 5.30 and I'm always grateful for that, that Mm. I'm so clear headed and I can experience this beautiful thing rather than lying in bed crippled with anxiety Mm. about what I've done the night before. And so it's really important to have that as a practice and because the gratitude is also, it's not just gratitude in recognizing things that are true because they're mm. true and we tend to lose sight of those things. Mm. But also it's a um, technique. Mm. Gratitude is a technique mm. that you employ to uh, fuel your optimism and optimism is absolutely integral to success and success that we're looking for on this podcast is just quitting drinking but I think what everybody will get if they follow through with this stuff is they'll start to put things on their list that aren't about quitting drinking that'll just be like oh (laughs) not going back there um so yeah but um just to answer your woo-woo thing because that's how I got onto the book thing um with the IMs and everything so I was getting into Wayne too because of you. Mm. And um, then I asked Steph Gilmore when I was over there interviewing her, oh, well, you know, can you manifest? Can you manifest things in life? And she's like, oh, totally. You know, like that's what I use. That's what Kelly uses, you know. And people, the only problem with everyday people is they don't actually ask for enough or they don't, they're not, I'll use my own words here, but they're not audacious enough in what they ask for and dare to dream for. And I thought at the time, to me, it just exploded in my brain because I was wondering all that time, is this really working? You know, what we're trying and and it was working. Um, And then it was sort of just a metaphor to me to encourage me to keep going, to hear Steph say that and just to hear that that it really does work. And like these things like gratitude and the I am, they're their techniques that you use. It's not really actually woo-woo. It's actually programming your subconscious Mm. um, to dare to aspire for things. And you can never get somewhere that you weren't trying to go, you know, so you need to be focused towards what you're after. Yeah, and also it's like what we were saying too. You can sit on your ass and try and manifest all your life. Like I want to have a business that turns over whatever or I want to create this for myself you have to take the steps to get to where to what you want to manifest mm. in your life so mm. I think it's a much faster process to get there if you are sober therefore then you're able to do other things in your life to you know to get the steps to get there mm. like there's oh uh, well even with earth bottles in my company earth bottles um you know one of our our greatest like where we were turning over a lot of money in one particular year, I was drinking heavily at that stage and I just was not with it. Like I, you know, left everything to everybody else to do. I just wasn't with it mentally because half the time, like if I'm waking waking up hungover a few nights, a few mornings, you know, I'd feel a shaky. I couldn't get my head straight, my thoughts straight. And then people are calling me about things to make decisions. I'm like, ah, and I'd often make really stupid choices, really stupid mm. decisions um, for my business. And then the following year, we started to have a decline in sales and things, we were losing a lot of money because of some of the decisions I'd made when I wasn't with it. Mm. And, you know, you can't blame anybody else for those sort of things too, because mm. I'm the leader, I'm the captain of this ship. And if I'm not showing up, you know, with my head together, with my mind straight, I make stupid decisions. Then I'm also not in a state to be able to help the sinking ship. So it wasn't until becoming sober that I'd been able to take hold properly because I wasn't really running things very well before. Mm. And that's that's brutally honest. <laughs> <laughs> Live and learn, but um, alcohol just doesn't help. And, you know, for musos that are on the road, you know, you have times in your life when you just feel like you're on top of the world killing it and other times are different to that but alcohol just never helps those decision-making processes. But there's good news, uh, people, (laughs) and 
I was a lunatic when I, you know, talking about the book, I went around and I was, um, I was doing these talks in bookshops and I, I was talking about how I basically, um, you know, with Danny's help and some of these things we're talking about, pulled myself out of a, out of a career rut and started heading in the right direction. Um, but I was talking about it and I had this way that I ended up describing, which might not have been the best. I said, so so I'd tell people the whole story about it. And then I'd say, so I recommend to anyone here drink too much for 20 years (laughs) and then quit. (laughs) And you just won't know yourself because, and this is for anyone who does one thinking of quitting and you have drunk for a long time. And the more you've been drinking, the better for this. (laughs) You won't believe it. Mm. Once you once you do quit and it's not an issue of like will I or won't I, you're just like, yeah, no, nah, I don't drink. I'm taking a year off. Um, oh my God, you won't believe it. It's fun. And like after a while it became I would always joke that like, you know, I enjoy surfing, mountain biking, and not drinking, you know, or whatever. <laughs> these it's are like, my hobbies. <laughs> these are my hobbies. It became a hobby. I was into it. Um, because it was a novelty. And yeah. even when we're talking on the podcast, you had Ben, who's the drug and alcohol counsellor, and he said, because we ha- we've been off drinking for a while now, he's like, oh, yeah, after two or three years it gets hard because the novelty wears off. Yeah, the novelty <laughs> of being a not drinker. Yeah. yeah, I've had times where I've been a bit bored um, and then I just think I've got to up my spiritual input or, you know, I've got to bring in something else, you know, and that's another thing about staying on track. So, you know... Uh, anyway, so totally. I mean, yeah. I, I, I there's something I reckon. I, I, I think it's been implied in what we've said, mm. but um, I think it's a really important thing. And this is for once you've quit for a little while, or maybe straight away. It's really important that you have, you know, I'm talking about these goals and manifesting things. They don't have to be big things. Mm. You can have a goal of improving your racquetball game. I don't know what it is or becoming good at knitting. It it doesn't really matter, but there's something really special for human beings. We feel alive when we're learning new things, we're growing, mm. you know, and it's there's something about that um that it, that pain of um actually bending your brain, trying to learn something new, mm. and then the satisfaction from knowing that you're improving at that, that reminds you that you're alive and pulls you out of any rut that you may be in. So I think if you're at a, um, if you leave yourself at a loose end with quitting drinking, like you just quit, you've got an absence of drinking and doing the old habits, but you don't replace it with this new thing that you're really stoked about or whatever, you're making it hard for yourself. It won't work. It becomes too, it comes hard work. You get bored. That's one Mm. thing. Mm. And, um, you know, it, you, you just have to mm. replace it. You have to replace it and you you just have to have some kind mm. of spiritual input. I don't care what anyone says, whether that's a meditation practice, yoga, whether it's reading great books, self-help books, whatever. Even if you're a sporting person, getting yes, back into a sport. Or, you know, uh, you were saying something, um, I think Ben Ben was saying it to, to people he was counselling with um, rehab and stuff like What's something you, if you can't think of anything, what's something you used to love to do when you were a kid? Yeah, that was a great one because that's like, oh, wow, yeah, because that can really spark something in you. But I just really want to say that I'm watching on Gaia TV at the moment, this Joe Dispenza, it's called Rewired. Fascinating. But he's talking about similar, like being in a rut. If you keep thinking, we think 60,000 thoughts a day and most of us think those same thoughts 90% of those thoughts, again, the following day and the following day, Mm -hmm. the following day. We're just thinking the same old repetitive thoughts. So when you learn something new and you're starting um, to do new activities, you start opening different neural pathways. The brain actually lights up and starts to, yeah, things start to fire in your brain again. So if you're in a rut, the best thing to do is to start doing something different. If you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. Mm-hmm. I love that one. That's and, a you great know, one. Like that thing we were saying, nature doesn't like a vacuum. So, you know. We are this, a quote a minute here, <laughs> folks. <laughs> yeah, if you've, if you've got that 
say some big ugly weed in the background you've or in the, in the backyard you've always wanted to get rid of it you could rip that thing out and you leave this big space the bigger that old say it's an old rotten tree that drinking is you pull that out and that's cool and you think oh there's so much light in the garden now mm. but with all that light in the garden some weeds are going to grow mm. if you don't plant it out and start sowing some some good things to flourish so that just involves a little bit more work, you know, and um, we do have some suggestions for some good daily practices that can lead to that. Yeah, so some of those here, like obviously we'll be covering all this in depth in our webinars coming up, but I'm also really excited because right now I have in my hot little hands my first copy of our um, How I Quit Alcohol, 365 Days of Sobriety playbook, which will be coming out soon. So that we've just got the sample here, which is, it's awesome. It's like 400 and something pages and it's a guided, it's part memoir, part journal, I guess, daily guided journal. And But we go into the kind of three layers, the three layers, the system that we've figured out, like I said, with ourselves and with other people that have quit and with some therapists, what works. And I swear if someone wanted to quit alcohol, if they followed this system, they will quit alcohol and they'll quit it for good. Unless of course too, if people are serious alcoholics, I think they need to definitely go and, I mean, that goes without saying they need to go to therapy or to AA, but this is what this is all about too. So reprogramming and I can't wait to share it with people. I'm excited. Yeah. And the point of a playbook, the playbook was a really good idea, Danielle. Thank you. Um, Because what we were saying just before is that you really need to get into a daily habit of programming your subconscious. And the easiest way to do that is with pen and paper. Mm. So the way that you've done it in that playbook is awesome because people just have to turn to the next day and just sort of fill it out. You know, you can also just do it with an exercise book or anything. That What's really important is that you that you put pen to paper every day and, you know, so like the idea of gratitude, which is what we started with, that's one good idea. That's the first part of one of the foundations is a daily gratitude practice. Mm, and that's great. So you might think, why do I have to write gratitudes out every day? But just remember, this is programming your subconscious. And actually most of us tend to be, I think all of us, are in a situation where it might reveal to you some really obvious things that you've been going around being a little shit about because you haven't been grateful for a lot of the very obvious things that you need, even the conditions you need to live your life. Um, we're just surrounded by blessings so much that when we actually write them down, we think, oh yeah, that's obvious. But actually it hasn't been brought to your attention. And if you bring it to your attention forcibly by writing it down every morning, it will have a remarkable effect on your life. It makes you happier too. But you know the gratitude, the deep gratitude you feel like if you've lost your phone, you've mm. lost your phone, you don't mm. know where it's gone or you've lost your wallet mm. and you're in a panic, you're in a tiz, you, you know, you want that thing back and when you get it back and it's mm. intact and it's not broken, that you get a, a flush of feeling mm. of gratefulness. Imagine mm. if you were to feel like that all the time, mm. every time you flicked on the light switch, mm. it's the same as if the power goes out for 12 hours. Mm. Oh my God. How good do you feel when the, you're like, yes, lights. Mm. but within minutes that mm. gratitude's kind of gone and mm. you just flick on your light switch and you flick on your, you know, you put your toaster on or you put your phone charger in or whatever. Um, but if even if like the other morning I got up and I did a practice, I did this for a few mornings in in a row. It's the Louise Hay Hay thing from uh, Louise Hay. You can heal your life. Where I was grateful for every appliance and everything ah, in the that's house. Cool. Yeah, so I was grateful for the toilet, the flushing toilet. Because mm. imagine if we didn't have a toilet, if we mm. had to go outside and dig a hole and mm. what, and that's gross. Or if we had a drop box, um, like a gross drop, some drop boxes are lovely. Mm. <laughs> and then when I went down and I was making my coffee beans, you know, mm. grounding, grinding the coffee beans, I was grateful to that. And I was grateful to the kettle mm. and I felt amazing. Mm. I was just grateful for every single appliance and what it did mm. and the fact that it, how much easier it made my life. Mm. I mean, what 
better things to be great. That is the most basic stuff that we take for granted every day. So let alone, you know, it's those small things, you know, mm. let alone the big stuff. And it's just really interesting to realize that that's not something just made up. That's a re- like that's a real thing that you should actually be grateful for. Mm. But it, but the normal way to live your life is to take that for granted. Yeah, and we just so, carry on. And just mm. carry on and take that in your stride but notice the thing that – but what's more normal is that you would notice the things that are wrong. So like everything that you should be grateful for, just take that for granted mm. and then pick up on the things that aren't working or that you don't like and talk about them. That's mm. like a much more normal way of being and we're sort of guaranteeing ourselves a degree of unhappiness and not only is it, you know, that's not what we're looking for to be unhappy, but it's not even logical mm. because we're just being little shits. <laughs> so, we are little shits. And yeah. it's the same as like you can recall um, something bad someone has done to you much mm. quicker than you re- you can recall beautiful things people have done for you. Mm. It's it's human nature, which I really strive to try and reprogram that mm. and not focus on those things. It takes repetition. And that's what the work of Joe Dispenza is so fantastic and that, that really um, mm. put a light bulb for me on because your conscious mind, you can realize these things. You might be listening to us right now and go, yeah, wow, that makes sense what they're saying. And then it's normal for you to just forget about that because your subconscious and your normal way of acting has got such a run up and that's so much more natural mm. for you. So you do need a daily practice to help you to reprogram because it's not your conscious mind that's going to change these habits. Your conscious mind will decide, oh, it's a good idea to change the habits, so let's do this. But you need your subconscious mind to change the way it operates for these habits to change. And for that, you need an actual practice. Mm. Remember that you're not missing out on anything. So when people have tried to quit before, whether even with smoking or with junk food or alcohol, when you start to feel like, oh my God, this is so hard. I'm really missing out. I'm really missing out here. You're going to fail. You have to start being grateful for what you're doing for yourself and to be um, to see it as a gift rather than that you're giving something up. And it's, yeah, I was thinking about that before actually. Like it's a real mistake to think, you know, like even saying quitting, it's like you're quitting something, you're missing out on something, you're we taking something. Word. Yeah, you're taking something out of your life. But if you really, if drinking has been a problem for you, when you quit, you're gaining something. And I tell you what, I felt that so much, especially mm. in my music. I felt all of the life come back in mm. um, because the drain, mm. the, the, you know, alcohol was draining from me. Mm. And, um, you know, I probably said it in the last podcast, I've known it for a million years. When you're young, you drink from the bottle. When, the, when you're old, the bottle drinks from you. Mm. So quitting that, you gain a lot. I mean, I thought of the metaphor of I had rocks in my backpack and then when I took them out, I could I started sprinting mm. with the same effort that was a jog before. Yeah. So that's what people need to remember. Throughout all of this, your, your effort should also be to be really happy. You know, that's what we're talking about with the gratitude. Be really happy and stoked that you're doing it. Even, mm. if, you, even if you're going through a little bit of a tough time with it, that's all right, you know. That's just a tough time in this good thing that you're doing, quitting. Yeah, and it's it only gets better. Mm. But the other thing too is like look look to other people because success leaves clues. Mm. So get some role models. Look to other people, either, even if it's just listening to the, the podcasts. Then um, so just quickly too, we'll just go through these first three months of to help people staying on track because a lot of people are that are messaging are like they're four weeks in, they're five weeks in. So, you know, that can be a bit testy that time. Um, so you got your gratitudes. If you're doing a daily gratitude, your musts. So that's your musts are things that you must achieve each day. So that's it. That's writing a gratitude. Another must is not drinking. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it might be to get out for a 20 minute walk every day. It, whatever that is for you, like the must. Um, what was your must? I had probably about five or six things that for 12 months I did. And um, the idea was to um, keep it as short as possible, but still achieving something. So I had like a hundred push-ups, a hundred sit-ups. So that was for the physical side, 30 chin-ups, 
Um, I had a chin-up bar. It was awesome in there in Bali. You did look quite good. <laughs> and then... You lost a lot of weight actually, didn't you? you yeah, lost... I lost over 10. I lost oh, 10 kilos. Yeah. But also we were intermittent fasting then. That was really cool. But, you know, one really great thing people can do is to do a, a health-related thing when you quit drinking because you will find that, say, if you've got extra weight, it'll just fly off. So it's a good time to get into intermittent fasting. And I'd even put one litre of water because I knew mm. that it's really important um, for your health and for weight loss and for your thinking mm. to be really well hydrated. So on my masts mm, was right. one litre of water. You did too, yeah. Yeah, so I'd always have that. So it doesn't really matter what's on there. But they should be things that are easily completed within, you know, five or ten minutes. And you feel good when you tick them off, don't you? Because you feel awesome and, you know, like it, you don't have to do them all first thing in the morning. It's up to you how how many of those things you have. But I think, you know, about five things in different areas of your life. So, like, for me, I'd have – I still have this sing, song, guitar. So I have to do something related to singing, something related to songwriting, something related to guitar and – as I um, flick that off every day, I just feel so much um, satisfaction. And when I wasn't doing that during this lockdown this year, I just felt like a piece of poo. Um, <laughs> because you just you feel so You just feel so good when you're doing it and your life feels like so on track. So, yeah. So part of my – also my musts were gratitude. And um, so I'd write grat. And I'd write I am's. I'd write some I am's out and we'll probably get to that later. I think uh, for everybody out there, if you're looking for another thing to put on your musts, I would definitely put a breath practice on there. And you can look up a lot of different um, YouTube clips and there's a lot of apps out there for breath. I'm really into the Wim Hof method, but um, different things work for different people. But it is one of the best ways known scientifically to change your state is through your breathing so I think that's a really important one for people too. Yeah. Um, actually, we did a breathing workshop on our Instagram Live a few weeks ago with Lissy from the Yoga Shack. Um, and that is actually on the How I Quit Alcohol Instagram page. You can go to the IGTV and that will just be there forever. So I had some, I've got some other friends that are tuning into that daily just to go straight to the, the breath practice there. Mm. And that's really good. I don't want to bamboozle people too much. So we won't go into too much more. But just quickly, I just want to touch on the IMs. I heard this great thing. It was with Oprah. Um, she was interviewing Pastor Joel Osteen, I think you say his name, and he's got a he did this awesome um, interview with her on I Am's, and he said that whatever follows the words I am will come to find you. Mm. And I love that mm -hmm. because so it's like if you're walking around, I am tired, I am useless, I am so disorganized, I am always hungry. I'm so angry. <laughs> Or that's what will come to find you. So rather than those words, and so writing this down is definitely part of the reprogramming, is I am then something empowering. So that's another great part of the practice too. And then again, yeah. so this is part of what we cover in the playbook. This is that's the first three foundational months. But if anyone wanted to stay on track, I know sometimes that can feel like that's a lot. That might sound like a lot. It's, it's actually not that much. And if you could start to bring that into your daily routine, things start to shift. Mm. Things just naturally start to shift. Your mindset starts to shift. Mm. Those I am's, you know, for people who there'll be many people, I'm imagining a lot of the blokes out there, but many women as well, that that sounds pretty woo-woo for. Mm. That would have sounded very woo-woo for me. Mm. It did sound like that. But the way I could explain that in a way that might work for those people is that these things are techniques and it's ways of speaking to your subconscious and it really does help you very much to get where you want to get with yourself to make the improvements in yourself that you want to make. Yeah. But the point of I am is you say it as a present state. So if you wanted to be ripped, super fit, in um, and now right now you've got a beer gut, you would say, I am ripped. Because you want to start speaking to your subconscious. It's a technique. You're speaking to your subconscious and you're saying, this is the truth now, mm. subconscious. 
And then your subconscious, if you keep writing that out every day and you keep believing it, you also put in the steps to make it come true. But you'll almost do that on automatic if you, if you believe it when you're writing those I am's out you're saying I am rip, you'll feel like a fraud in that day if you don't start doing a few push-ups and go for a walk around the block and then a run and then you know you drink your water and eat healthy and do whatever the steps are. As long as you keep programming yourself, mm. then you will do the steps to realize your goal. Mm. So those I am's, if you take that seriously and know that it's a, um, it's a technique to get the things you want out of your life. I think it's super powerful. It is. And even if you do wake up tired, I know um, we all have, you know, we all can sort of do this, but, you know, to wake up tired, I'm so tired. I am so tired. Mm. (laughs) But if you were to then say, I am really looking forward to my second wind or I'm looking (laughs) forward to having a sleep today and then feeling a lot better. So you can still acknowledge that you're tired. It's not about not acknowledging things, but just switch it in a little way so that you're not kind of stuck in this negative thought pattern about mm. yourself. Mm. It's really, really powerful. And mm. um, again, we cover more of that stuff mm. in the webinar that's coming yeah. up. It's not about bullshitting yourself. It's about it's about leading your subconscious to the things that you want to yeah. change in your life. But I just, I, again, I just want to say that if there isn't some kind of practice in there in your journey on your sobriety it's very hard to stand track because you are completely relying on willpower and that makes things so much harder and like what we're saying is willpower comes from the conscious mind and mm-hmm. that's why it doesn't work you can it's like you know it's you going Argh! you know you're really putting in a whole lot of effort um, with your conscious mind and it's just too much. It wears you down, willpower, after a while. You need to speak to your subconscious and get an agreement, okay. Now, we're not a drinker. Actually, we're doing X, Y, and Z. We're, we're you used to say when you were getting fit, I am perfect health or something like mm, that. I am perfect health, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm getting healthy. I'm learning these things. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And I'm full of energy. I am, yeah. Mm. And after a while, you just don't have room in your life for, for sitting around and getting trashed. <laughs> no, that's right. And even um, on a self-love level, I know you love it when I talk self-love. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, if you don't feel loved or if you don't feel good enough and if you don't love yourself to say, I would always say in my I am's, I am divine love. I am highest love and woo woo. <laughs> it's not woo woo. I've got it tattooed <laughs> in my arm. But to me that's how strong that was for me that I am divine love because for me self-love comes – it's really part of this whole journey and and realising that you are loved and you can love yourself and oh, that's a whole other podcast. But um, – yeah, again, one of the things we cover. But I just want to – I'm just looking in my little journal here, which I'm very excited to share with everyone soon. But um, one of the exercises in the start here is – and this doesn't matter if you've already been alcohol-free for two years, two weeks, or you are about to start. But it's really good to write down how alcohol affected your life. How is it impacting your life? So if alcohol is affecting your relationships, your work, your health or your self-esteem, um, write, like it, even if it's a reflective thing, write them down. And then then, and then the next exercise is who is the person you want to become? So, And you can do this at any – again, any stage of your journey with alcohol. But who do you want to become? Like – do you want to be happier? Do you want to be fitter? Do you want – is there a job that you want? Like who is this person that you are aspiring to be? Like really sit down and take a few moments, take 15 minutes to sit and think about who it is you want to be. Do you want to have a really happy marriage? Do you want Do you want perfect health? What is it that you want? And write it down. And then whenever you're feeling wobbly, if you're having a wobbly moment with your – the sobriety or with anything, even with your mental health, um, with anything, just then you've always got it to go back to. You could sit it there next to your bed and you can look at it every day as a little, even as a little prayer for yourself. But it's really, really powerful. And um, yeah, so I think next time too, we could talk about um, marriages and relationships too, like how much our marriage 
improved from mm. quitting alcohol too. That was the really amazing blessing that came from that mm. as well. So that's just another podcast. <laughs> but I think we've covered enough today. I'm feeling brain fried myself. I reckon just one thing in in um, parting, I would say, I'll probably say it every time. I think it's really important with your mindset. It's not about bullshitting yourself, but tell yourself that it's easy and that, you know, even when times are really tough, say, yeah, you know, it's a bit tough today. Or I really felt like drinking or X, Y, and Z, but it's easy. I can do it. All I'm doing is not putting a drink to my lips. And then you wake up, you know, that, that um, temptation passes or whatever, and you wake up in the morning, wow, I did it, easy. And just if you're going to make the commitment to quit, don't make it hard for yourself or don't make it harder than it needs to be by telling yourself, oh, it's going to be tough. Be excited about it. Keep everything as light as you can and keep it as happy as you can. And just also to just don't forget, like the reason you might be listening to this podcast is you want to live life to your full potential. And it's really important, to, particularly if you're not on a sobriety journey yet, you're just sober curious, say. But are you living to your full potential right now with this system that we've got? It works on any level. It works on your for drinking or for your the way that you're eating or, you know, your, your mental health even. It will reprogram you to start living to your full potential so that you can be who you want to be, who you envisage yourself to be. Because when you're not living, when you're not quite – because I, I didn't want to be the, this drunken person. I did not want to be that. I wanted to be successful and healthy. So every time I woke up in the morning and I couldn't remember going to bed the night before or, you know, the myriad of things, you know, the the anxiety that you get when you've woken up at three and then, fuck, what have I done or what did I do? That was not me. That was not the vision I had for myself. So that's when things start to get out of kilter and that's when you know it's time to change because you're not living how you actually see yourself or where you'd like to be. Does Mm. that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. And it reminded me of something that I didn't mention um, that neither of us mentioned that's so important that people who are listening to this you can look forward to. Imagine feeling like a million dollars because you're like, ah, oh, I'm not that drunk idiot or like, you know, I'm not, I'm not hung over all the time. You know how you have that self-loathing. I mean, you were just referring to this. I'm probably saying what you said anyway, but um, you just, you get to this after a couple of months, you start to go, I remember thinking, oh my Lord. When I'm you were sober. It. Yeah. From mm. being sober. Mm. Like you think, wow, yes, it's happening. And it will just at the most unlikely moment. You just be crossing the street and go, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm doing it. I'm killing it. You feel confident. And you that's why. feel all of this confidence. Yeah. All this confidence comes flooding back. And, you know, that confidence left you and so long ago, you never even realized you were lacking confidence. But you get it back and you get this sense of self-esteem and it's like, yeah, damn, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a part of it too, Ash, like with this system. Like it's like you can't do these things. You can't do these daily practices and not feel amazing. Mm. It's impossible. Mm. Mm. Like I challenge anyone if they were to do this mm. and then say, nah, that was shit, I'm shit. Nah, it didn't work. didn't work. didn't <laughs> work. <laughs> I wrote gratitudes out like every day for a month and it didn't work. Didn't yeah. do anything. Yeah, it's, <laughs> even with my happen. dad, when my dad was here and we were – help we were curing his cancer naturally a big part of that was the gratitudes that Mm. dad would do Mm. um you know from a life of negativity Mm. then to get lung cancer i mean there's a direct Mm. correlation between Mm. that kind of thinking and lung cancer and grief and lung cancer and and he's not even and when you say from a life of negativity he's not like a particularly negative person but it's just like that life of negativity you're referring to is just like normal old guy stuff, mm. <laughs> which is pretty negative. Yeah, yeah it's kind of negative. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also too, you've got this choice. It's like, do you want to be, do you want to be a fucking misery guts? Do you want to be sitting mm. around bitching about your friends and talking mm. negative and wasting your time watching daytime TV? Do you really <laughs> want that? Or do you want to be happy? Like mm. we want to be happy, don't we? That's mm. how we live our full potential. We mm. want to be happy people. Mm. And I am so happy, mm. <laughs> you mm. know, and I'm, I'm excited. Tomorrow I've just packed up the camper van. I'm going to meet one of my gorgeous friends, um, 
my friend Peter, and she's I love this. She just messaged me the other day. She said, "I'm going to go camping on my own." So she's gone down to Broom's Head, and of course, I invited myself along. Well, you can't <laughs> go on your own for too long. And so I'm going to go down and meet her and we're going to read some spiritual books and do some breathing and walking and, and stretching down there at, at um, Red Cliffs down at Lake Aragoon, um, just down the coast from here. And I'm so – look, to me that I'm so excited and beside myself, mm. wasn't I? Mm. You know, I think when I was in my drinking phase, I, I would have – firstly, I would have been packing all the wine or I wouldn't be going with her. I'd be going with someone else that drank a lot. But mm. – it's just a whole different way of living. Mm, mm. Oh, you so get a good. lot more out of life. <laughs> and that's the other thing. If somebody's, um, yeah, like, I like that new phrase, sober curious. <laughs> and um, this is one thing I have, and you think, geez, that's a bit out of order, isn't it? A year, that's a bit long. Just think, you know, especially if you're hitting midlife, you have had a few drinks before. That's how I <laughs> comforted, comforted myself when I was taking the big, bold step. To me, it was sort of like skydiving. To say, right, I'm going to quit drinking for a year. I didn't know what was on the other side of taking that plunge, but I knew I would stick to the plunge if I took it. And then whenever I was thinking, oh, if I started to feel sorry for myself, I was like, you know what? You have explored that drinking thing. You yeah. do know what's what it's like. It's not like you left many stones unturned in the area of drinking, <laughs> but you haven't really fully explored the sobriety thing. So just, you know, try something a little different. God, even like I was thinking the other day about some of our parties and stuff that we'd have with these same sort of group of friends. We would listen to the same music, mm, mm. the same we'd have, we'd call them our YouTube parties. And I apologize if any of them are listening right now because <laughs> it was fun at the time. But we honestly, we'd listen to the same music, we'd watch the same YouTube clips mm. of different singers and stuff like that. We'd sing the same songs. Mm. Pretty much it was, it was just Groundhog Day. And mm. that's part of that, what we're saying before with Joe Dispenza, like nothing is wakening the brain here because it's the same old shit mm. all the time. Mm. It's mm. boring. It's mm. so boring. There's no new output because also there's, I mean, you're not, when you're drunk, you're, you're not in a state in a state to retain anything, but there's the more that you drink, the less that there's new stimulus or new input that challenges you in any way. Mm, absolutely. Mm. Right, we must go because we've got to pick our kids up from school. But mm. that was a great chat and I hope um, I hope we didn't lose anyone there in all that chat. It was a lot to take in. But, um, again, we're loving everyone's comments and we thank you so much. Thank you so much for everyone that's bothered to send us a message and say mm. they're enjoying the podcast. It really is appreciated in a in a big way where it's not just an idle thing that we say we actually do get stoked when we read those messages and jump up and down yeah absolutely so also um again with these webinars there's still some tickets left so jump on to the instagram on the link tree you can book to jump on these webinars with ash and i there's one that's a monday 10 a.m and the other one's a sunday at 4 p.m so depending on time with people and you can also book a private coaching call with us as well and also yeah i'll keep everyone posted about this playbook journal i'm super excited about that and um if you do jump on just send us any feedback any questions anything like mm. that anything you want to cover in the webinar um we can do you can be anonymous in the webinar or you can be seen and you know be heard and share your story because ultimately that's what I'd love for people to be able to share their story a little bit and Mm. and be in a vulnerable space it's a super safe space it's all confidential um yeah but it's no matter where you are in your drinking journey too it's nothing there's nothing even if you're a year in you can still jump on this webinar because you might have some also great things to share Mm. with a group you might learn some new tools that might make it not so hard the journey or or just a different perspective so yeah we'd love to we'd love to just hear from you guys anyway so um awesome and thanks heaps everyone for tuning in bye bye
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.